We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. everyone this is christina and this is mj and this is another episode of a spooky tales a podcast where we tell you all about spooky things no a spooky things mm-hmm. with the focus on latin america mm-hmm. <laughs> today's episode is extra creepy but first a listener story i feel like i got we started this too fast do we usually say other things um i don't know maybe we felt <laughs> patreon or do you save that to the end i don't remember <laughs> like we've been doing this for I mean, so long I, and i, I still I don't say know it at the end <laughs> we're the worst uh-huh. and so like professional. three episodes ago i was like we're so professional yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> um speaking of professional i am so paranoid i i already told mj but i feel like i might have shared this listener story already but maybe not so hopefully i don't it's remember not it so <laughs> i think she, I, I don't think you did <laughs> But, well, I don't know. But I if mean, pe- she people did, will let us know. <laughs> let's just tell it again because it's a good story. Yeah, you know, it's fine. Whatever. It's our podcast. We will do what we want. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. No. Um, if you have a story you want us to share, then just send us an email at spookytales.gmail.com or DM us on any of our socials. Okay, now on to the story that I might have already shared. <laughs> So, I a spooky story. Also, you can use my name and city so I can prove to my brother-in-law that y'all read my story. Ha ha ha. I made him a fan as well. Let me just say I love that. <laughs> yes. And again, if I already read this, I'm sorry. I'm reading it again. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like this idea stuck in my head that I've already read this. Whatever. Okay, let me continue. All right. Hi, my name is Monica, and I'm from Ennis, Texas. I've always been interested in the paranormal. I really don't know why, lol, but I have. One day at work, me and some work friends decided to decided to go do some ghost hunting or just something scary. A guy in our group friend decided to take us to his town like 15 minutes from where we were, and he took us to a bridge they call Crybaby Bridge. It's said that a baby got thrown off the bridge there. And now I'm convinced mostly every town or state has at least one. He was telling us that when driving onto the bridge, the windows should start getting foggy and we're supposed to turn the vehicle off and the lights off. And so we did just that. The windows started getting foggy and we were on the bridge. Before we turned the lights off, we looked at the bridge from inside the truck and the bridge was covered in 666 and satanic symbols, etc. We finally turned the lights and the truck off and it's been said that the truck should not turn back on. After waiting about one minute because we were too scared, he tried to turn it on and he could not even get the lights to turn on. We all thought he was lying and just playing around. So me and our three other friends each tried to turn the truck on and we couldn't. Finally, he decided to pop the hood open and figure it out. Luckily, he got it to run again and we drove off so quick. We decided to go eat and it was around three in the morning. When we were on our way, <laughs> when we, were, we were on our way to Whataburger. I looked to my window side and saw a handprint. I will always remember this adventure. That's creepy, though. And side note, I snug out because my parents do not play that game of letting me out at two in the morning. (laughs) 
<laughs> and my yes. friend snuck their dad's truck that we were using. Also, I love y'all. <laughs> that was a the water the Whataburger made this like a very Texas story. <laughs> uh, but wow, a little handprint. Ew. Yeah. No. <laughs> I would have just, like, gotten out, like, sprayed it with some, like, Windex and just been like, this never happened. Right? Gonna pretend this didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Thank you for sending that in. And, okay, so my story, um, it's very creepy. Uh, I listened to it in a bunch of parts to write everything down and masuste. Like, I scared myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's from a YouTube channel called Relatos de la Noche which is a super amazing YouTube channel. They also do podcast episodes now. It's like newer. They didn't used to do that years ago. Um, But they just share a bunch of like scary stories, but they're all in Spanish. So, um, you know, if you don't know Spanish, you're missing out. But I'm here to find the scary stories and translate them sometimes for some episode topics like today. So the way that um, I'm going to be telling this, there's one part that's like a letter from the person that saw this happen. And then... It goes like the letters over and then, okay, let me, I'm like explaining this all horribly wrong. So on the, on the original video, the Relatos de la Noche video, they're like, they have like a bunch of like, I don't know, just words in the beginning without the recording. And they say like, we received this letter at this time and then we didn't, we never received the rest of the story. And when we pursued the story, we were told to like drop it, to leave it alone and but recently they got like mm-hmm. the rest of the story. So the way that it's told is like the letter first, then it stops and then it changes like who's telling the story and then the rest of the letter and then the rest of the story. Like, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. OK, yeah, I hope that makes sense to yeah. everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, yeah, let's uh, get into this. OK, so in a 2000- 13, Relatos de la Noche received letters from a Dr. Mariano Garcia written to his brother. And these were written in between December 1992 and March 1993. These letters detail an exorcism that took place in Tijuana, Baja California, Mexico during that time. Names and details were changed to protect the identity of those involved and only parts of the letters were received at first. When Relatos de la Noche Oh, I already said this, this, but yeah, it's just, I'm just, I, uh, this is what I, my notes said that um, they received the story, then tried to get the rest of the story. And then they were told like, don't poke around this case again. And then in 2018, they received a uh, contact from another family member that this happened to, and they shared the rest of the story. So it's like five years later, they received the rest of the story. Here is the letter. Manuel, I write to you because in these moments, I feel that you're the only person that I can feel sane with. You, more than anyone, know that since we were kids, I never cared for any of the legends or superstitions our family believed in, and that I've been atheist from a young age. Please keep that and everything you know about me in mind. Believe in what I'm telling you. Please believe me. I can barely believe what I'm about to begin to write out. I only ask that you do not share this with anyone. One week ago, I got a call from Rogelio, an old high school friend. You probably remember him. He produces a show about horror stories. He asked for a favor, and that night we met at his house. Lino, the radio host, and his assistant, Carlos, a priest, and myself. 
They told me that for several days now, they've been receiving phone calls to the radio station from a woman named Carmen. She was seeking their assistance. She was worried her daughter Carolina had been possessed by the devil. Lino and Rogelio didn't believe her, but they gave her a slot in the radio show to share her story. They believed they were dealing with another ignorant person who was confusing mental health issues with a demonic possession. But she kept calling, day after day, all week. During every phone call, they had the chance to hear the possessed girl. In every phone call, it was more clear. Her voice would change halfway through the sentence. She was speaking in languages she had never learned. They were, as you can imagine, happy. They thought this was the perfect chance to grow the show, a perfect story for their audience. They thought that this was a girl with mental health issues who had just seen too many horror movies. And they believed this until last Friday. Just before 11 p.m., just like all the other nights, the phone rang, and they believed that it was Carmen. But this time, it was not the frightened mother on the other end of the phone. It was Carolina calling. And in a calm, mocking voice, she told them they wouldn't be hearing from her mother again. Lino and Rogelio immediately thought that something terrible must have happened. They felt at fault for not helping Carmen right away because they preferred to use her story for the show rather than send help. They weren't able to give these thoughts much time because the lights turned off. Then they heard a strange sound in their headphones and felt an extreme chill. When the lights returned and everything functioned again, they had phone calls in every line waiting. People were calling to tell Lino and Rogelio that they, when they lost power, listeners heard a terrible laugh and howls, and it went on for a minute. Some listeners were frightened, but many were angry, claiming they weren't being tricked. Rogelio asked their listeners to pray for La Señora Carmen and for her well-being, and they finished the program. They got together the next day, Friday, to prepare for Monday's show, and they gave Carmen a ring. They were relieved to hear her answer the phone and got her address to get to the bottom of the situation. They arrived at her home in Rosarito a few hours later and told Carmen they were worried about her after last night's phone call. That's when Carmen broke down in tears and informed the team that she had only made the initial phone call. As she was in tears, there was a shilling scream coming from Carolina's room. Rogelio and Lino tried to describe what going into her room was like, but I must confess that I paid them no attention. I was trying to figure out what they were on to believe such a ridiculous story and then have the audacity to come tell me and ask for my help. You must be thinking something similar now, but this is just the beginning, believe me. Carmen ran a few houses down to find a priest who lived in the neighborhood. Rogelio drove to Tijuana to look for Father Carlos. When they returned to Doña Carmen's house, she was hysterically crying. Her dress was full of red stains and the father was on the floor, covering his face with a blood-soaked rag, and Lino was covered in sweat at Carolina's door, blocking it with all his strength. Father Carlos entered the room and came out five minutes later, then asked to be taken to Tijuana immediately. He spent the rest of the day making phone calls, while Lino and Rogelio decided to postpone the radio show for the night. Father Carlos reached out to them and told them they had the Archbishop's permission. They were to bring Carolina to the cathedral. All three, with two members from the Father's Church, went to Doña Carmen's house. When they arrived, Doña Carmen was outside, waiting for them. She told them that Carolina began screaming in a deep voice when that belonged to a man, not a teen girl, and that she had levitated in her room. It looked like a tornado had come through the house. They found Carolina smiling in her room. She said she was ready to go with them. 
They were cautious, but she went willingly and was calm the entire ride. When they arrived at the, at the church, she murmured to herself, laughed quietly as if she were having a conversation with someone, and they were laughing at a prank. I, at this point, began to believe their story a bit more. That's when Rogelio told me, this happened yesterday. Carlos has been with her all day today, but we need a doctor, a doctor we trust, and it has to be you. I agreed, and I said I wanted to see her immediately, to meet her. They looked at each other, and Father Carlos said it was fine. Rogelio and Lina went back to the radio station, and Father Carlos and I got into my car and headed to the cathedral. It was 10 p.m. at night, but the streets seemed darker, more lonely. I could have sworn I saw shadows at every corner and felt as if there were a presence following me. Father Carlos seemed to have felt it, too. He said he felt it and proceeded to say, may God have mercy on us. When a priest, a man of faith, looks at you without hiding the fear in his eyes, you know you're about to see something horrifying. We parked and Father Carlos tried to make casual conversation. But I was not able to. I was distracted. I still felt like there was something following me, breathing on my neck. Father Carlos sounded far away. As soon as we got out of the car, I felt so cold, and I noticed Father Carlos was no longer talking. He was praying. At that moment, on the corner of the street, under the street lamp, in front of the cathedral, there was a silhouette of a woman. I once again ask that you believe in the words I am writing to you. I swear to you that they are true. I swear on my daughters. At that moment, I could barely breathe. I wanted to ask what was going on, but Father Carlos, Father Carlos's loud voice interrupted my thoughts. He yelled, Carolina, is that you? But there was no reply. She walked along the cathedral and into the darkness. We could not see her. We ran and knocked at the cathedral. There were a lot of people inside, a lot of older women, who were apparently volunteers. There were nuns and young men who I later found out were seminarists. Father Carlos went to a nun and returned to inform me that the bishop had been there, but he left to attend a different parish. He told me I could go see Carolina in the meantime. A young man offered me coffee and I glanced around. There were cups of half-finished coffee and some Chinese takeout. When I looked back, I saw no one, as if they all took off. I found an older nun and she told me I could find Carolina behind the giant wooden doors. I opened them with difficulty. There was a hallway with several doors. My hands shake as I write this. The older nun opened the door for me and told me, knock when you want to come out. I walked in, and as I walked, I told myself, the devil is not real. These are superstitions. I ignored Father Carlos's warnings, and I continued to walk. As I got closer, I felt a sharp coldness, a coldness that I could feel in my old injured knee. I heard a woman singing a song that I did not recognize. Her song became the sound of the wind. It's hard to explain, but her voice became that sharp, cold breeze I felt as I walked closer. There was a small window on the door and I looked inside. I was afraid. The noise stopped and it was dark. I was trying to adjust to the darkness and that's when I saw her, standing in the corner of the dark room and staring at the wall. I heard another sound. She was not alone in the room. And that's where that part of the letter ends. Ooh. But yeah, super creepy vibe there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, God, that reminds me of... um. What's the demon of wind? I forgot. Like uh, the moment you said wind, I was like, oh my God, there's like a demon of 
of wind and now. Ew, is there really? Look. I didn't know yeah. that. I forgot what it's called. Let me Google it. That adds a creepier layer to this. Um, but yeah, if that was not clear, like he's he met them first and in his letter he just he's recounting that he met them, they told him about what was going on, and then he went to go see her. Um, and it ends where he is looking through like the door, the window of the room that she's inside of, like inside the cathedral. Like I hope that's mm-hmm. that was clear. So this next part is written just from like the perspective of the person who later sent in the rest of the story to Relatos de la Noche. Mm-hmm. And it just picks up right where he left off, really, where he's looking inside the window of the door. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Mariano moved away from the window and in the darkness through the window, he was able to see another silhouette. This one was closer to the door. He turned back around so that he could knock and be let out. His knees were giving out and he was regretful to have agreed to this. As he was about to knock, he suddenly turned back around and walked back to the room where Carolina was. Every step was harder than the last, but he needed to see her, observe her, see the details. When he got closer, he saw her. She was closer, but she waved and smiled. Her eyes were all white. Her pupils were missing. With a smile from ear to ear, she pointed past him, pointed at something she wanted Dr. Mariano to see. He slowly turned around and looked at his only way out. And there, in front of the door, was the silhouette. It was the same silhouette that he and and the father had seen outside of the cathedral. It walked closer to him. It looked like a shadow, but more defined. The doctor was paralyzed with fear. He wanted to find a logical explanation for this silhouette. As this shadow reached out for him, the door behind it opened. The shadow disappeared into another door in the hallway. And two seminarists and Father Carlos walked in. Father Carlos noticed how pale Dr. Mariano looked and told him that he didn't tell him of any other things that had occurred in the room. I wrote that all weird, so I'm just rephrasing it. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, because he didn't want to predispose him or suggest ideas and said many claimed to see things in this room. The women they had seen appeared to be Carolina. The next day, Rogelio told Dr. Mariano they would they would stop sharing Carolina's story. They also stopped taking listener phone calls. Too many people were asking about Carolina and the case was too real, too disturbing for them. The bishop sent a message that two priests were on their way to help with Carolina, one from Philadelphia and the other from Santiago, Chile, and they just had to wait. The priests from the United States arrived quickly and asked to see Rogelio and Lino right away. He suspected that this was some sort of prank. They asked the doctor to meet them after the radio show at 11.30 p.m. The three of them told the priest and he was not what they expected. He was open and warm. He said that at first he thought they were just two radio hosts trying to make up a story for fame. But before meeting them, he went to where Carolina was being kept and he needed only a few seconds to realize what was going on. And he made a phone call to the Vatican, not to the Archbishop, but straight to the Vatican. He told them there is no doubt this is happening for a reason and asked them to stop their radio show for the time being. They said this was not an option. They would be jobless. He understood and asked Dr. Mariano to remain close by. 
for when he was needed in the room. Rogelio and Lino were to uh, were allowed to be in the cathedral, but not in the room. They were to wait for the priest from Chile to do what needed to be done. He was the only priest experienced in this stuff, an exorcism. Friday's show was regular, but they did not have stories for the full program, so they opened phone calls from listeners. They announced they would not be taking calls about Carolina's case and went on. Close to the end of the radio show, they received a chilling phone call. A woman called and said that some nights ago, she had seen a woman in white wandering her neighborhood. neighborhood. The woman in white was looking inside windows. They let her continue her story, but as she talked, they grew concerned. The woman in white in the color story resembled Carolina on the day they took her to the cathedral. When they asked the caller where she lived, they were disturbed to hear it was right next to the church. The strangest part of her tale was that the caller said she had seen this woman in white wander the streets since she was a little girl. Oh. They took another phone call after that. And when they heard the caller's voice, they were frozen in fear. It was Carolina. They were speechless. And she said she'd see them soon. Lino replied that they would be present during the process, but she said no, sooner than that, sooner. The lights flickered and Rogelio immediately ended the phone call, but he continued their radio show and ended it a few minutes early. They received another phone call after the program ended, and it had been from their supervisors. The supervisor asked why their radio show ended so early and abruptly, and and Rogelio said they were having technical issues. That's when they learned that the program actually stopped airing after Carolina's phone call. After the phone call, listeners only heard static. Um, And so they, I I guess they thought that they ended the program regularly, Mm -hmm. but it ended after she was like, no, I'll see you soon. Sooner than that. (laughs) Oh, that's so gross. (laughs) So creepy. Okay, let me continue. They left the station in fear and drove to the cathedral where they met with Dr. Mariano. The pair recounted the situation at their radio station and Dr. Mariano told them that on his way to the cathedral, he could have sworn he saw the figure of a woman on the road following him. The pair realized that they had seen the same. Their fear increased. And then this goes back to the uh, part of the letter or the end of the letter, I think. Mm -hmm. Let me check. Is there more of the letter? No, I think that's. Yeah. So that's uh, this is the last part of the letter that they received. The exorcism began that night. Rogelio stayed up all night. I slept in the hallway, but the bishops were hard at work. I keep thinking about what I saw. They called me in to help. Carolina was levitating. It was horrible. A nun ran out in fear. I'm also concerned about Carolina. Every time I go in to check on her, she looks more weak. I'm also afraid. Every time I try to write about this, there are strange noises in my house. And so that's the last letter that was received from Dr. Mariano. That is freaky. Mm-hmm. So here is the rest of um, the story, and not the letter anymore. Okay, so. The doctor's health began to deteriorate, as did Linos and Rogelios. They seemed to have a horrible cold. They could barely stand. Doña Carmen appeared the same way. A month passed, and Rogelio and Lino received news that their show would be taken off air. They all met at the cathedral. Rogelio, Lino, Damian is an assistant of theirs, Dr. Mariano, and Father Carlos. They remained frightened, but no one said it out loud. Father Carlos mentioned that there were rumors about what was going on in the cathedral. 
the church was seeing less and less parishioners. Is that the right term? People that yeah. attend a church are parishioners, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. People kept hearing screams during mass and were afraid. The walls of the church seemed to always be dirty, no matter how much they cleaned them. The exorcism seemed to be going nowhere. That night, the cathedral had more people present, more nuns, more sacristans. They found somewhere to sit and Dr. Mariano found a spot closer to the room in case he was needed. As soon as he sat on the bench, he fell asleep, which was not normal for him. He woke later to screams and the sound of running footsteps. He quickly sat up. The hallway door was closed and no one else was nearby. He saw the door to Carolina's room and it was open. He ran to close it, but as he got closer, he noticed the room was empty too. He turned the light on and there was no one there. Nothing. Just a humid and rancid smell. Carolina had escaped. He exited the room and was back in the hallway. If the hallway door remained closed, that meant Carolina had to be behind one of the doors in this very hall. He walked toward the main hallway door and knocked. An older nun was on the other side and she asked about Carolina. Dr. Mariano replied that he didn't know, but he wanted to be let out. The nun said she could not open the door, not until she knew Carolina was behind one of the other doors. He turned back around, looking at the doors. He had to check if she was in one of them. These doors had no lock, unlike the room Carolina had escaped from. How was he supposed to find her, then secure her in whatever room she was in? He asked the nun to find help, anyone, Rogelio, Lino, Damian, or Father Carlos, but she said she could not leave this door. Dr. Mariano began checking every room, opening the door, turning the light on, and looking under every bed. He cleared every room until there was one left, the door in front of Carolina's room. She had to be in that room. He quietly opened the door, but there was no sound in there. Hmm... No sound in there. I don't know if I meant to write no one in there. He quietly opened. Whatever. (laughs) Okay. He played out the situation in his head. He had to open the door quickly, turn the light on, and then assess Carolina. He knew he was about to do the most frightening thing he had done, and he opened the door. The room was empty. No one. This didn't appear to be a room to sleep in. It was more like an office. Behind him, in Carolina's room, he heard a loud breath. He turned around to exit the room, and this time, the main hallway door was open. He ran toward it, and the cathedral was empty. It was a nightmare. He ran, looking for anyone else, but no one was there. No one except the possessed Carolina. She was out there somewhere in the darkness. He ran to the altar. There were screams in that direction. He arrived and saw the cathedral doors open. There he saw a scene he'll never forget. First responders were attending an older nun. There was also police cars around, all with their lights off. At the corner of the street, he saw a nun and a priest running, and 50 meters in front of them, he saw Damian running towards the pair. Damian was drenched in sweat. Dr. Mariano ran to Damian and asked what was going on. Carolina had escaped. During a moment when where priests were taking a break, There were loud screams and everyone turned to see Carolina on the altar, laughing and mocking them. Everyone there ran to find the exorcist and it was in that moment that she left the cathedral. 
Everyone then ran outside to look for her. Police had arrived to look for her too. Dr. Mariano walked to the elder nun to take over her care and asked if she had been the one at the hallway door, the one that would not let him out. She looked puzzled and told him no. Everyone, including herself, had been outside for a good while trying to find Carolina. He was the only one in the cathedral. Ugh, gross. I know! That part fucking creeped me the fuck out. <laughs> oh, no, that was that was Carolina. That was all her. She was pretending to be a nun. Yes! Ugh. I'm like, oh, that was, I was like, I was creeped out listening to that. It's creepy as, as hell. Because, <laughs> like, nobody was there. Ugh. But he, like, he heard noises behind the doors. He saw the nun. He, like, what what was happening? Like, what did he actually see, oh, you know? Fuck, that's scary. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, let me continue. Mm-hmm. Carolina ran down the street laughing and she was never seen again. Dr. Mariano was worried because she had seemed very weak, on the brink of death even. He felt guilty, especially when he saw Doña Carmen wandering the streets in front of the cathedral, asking if anyone had seen Carolina. Most of all, he feared that whatever had possessed Carolina was out there, still wandering the streets. Every time he thought about what he had witnessed, he began to drink. His drinking caused his divorce and eventually his death. Mm. Rogelio left the city. He was somewhere in Texas producing religious shows. (laughs) Like, what he saw was so terrible. He went from paranormal shows to religious shows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I would do the same, though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Father Carlos left the city, too. Lino remained in the city, working on his projects, and once in a while, he looked after Doña Carmen, at least until his own death. Everyone that knew about Doña Carmen had either left the city or were dead. Eventually, she, too, was no longer seen. But the story remained. Those that work near the cathedral or live near the cathedral still whisper about a woman in white seen at night But no one knows the entire story. No one knows about Carolina. That is freaky. And that's the end of the story. That is so freaky because um, the lady who called was like, I've seen her since I was a child. So it was almost like whatever had possessed her was able to like time travel. Right? It's fucking weird. And then, yeah. And then that makes more sense too when you think about everything that Dr. Mariano saw inside of the church mm-hmm. was all and then but really she had escaped so what what the hell like what happened it was like all kinds of like weird shit going on uh-uh it's like no. she could be at multiple places uh I don't yeah, know yeah like and multiple <laughs> like time periods because people have been seeing yeah. Carolina before this whole thing happened and it's almost since- like yeah, oh. like maybe an entity or whatever possessed Carolina and stayed in her body, but like that same being has always been in the area. Like I don't know. That could be it too. It could be it. I know there there is. I googled that there is a, a demon of wind. That's why because she was like, oh, like her singing was causing the wind. There is a demon of wind, and um, yeah, it's all freaky. <laughs> Yeah, but let me tell you that I looked through these comments, right, of of Mm -hmm. this story, and 
people there from Rosarito were commenting that they have heard about a woman in white. Oh, it's so gross. Like, it's a real story in Rosarito. And then other people mentioned like, oh, there was in the newspaper, there was stories about an exorcism happening in the 90s. And other people mentioned like they had a schoolmate that went missing and they think this is her. Obviously, all the names are changed. But some people are like, I think this was my friend from school. And then (gasps) other people mentioned a woman in white. Other people mentioned reading stories of an exorcism in the newspapers uh, in the 90s when this... Uh these letters take place. They're like, oh, yeah, there was stories going around. And um, yeah, a ton of a ton of comments of people seeing seeing a woman in white in that area or hearing stories about a woman in white, like to this day. That is so freaky, though. I know that that's what creeped me out the, the most. The, like, the one that <laughs> like, yeah, the creep me out was the nun thing that wouldn't let him out. And the fact that whatever this entity or her herself either has been around or or was making her time travel. I don't know. Whatever it was. Yeah, plus Freaky. at the station, at the station, that last program they did, the, the phone call from Carolina, but at the same time, on their way to the church after mm-hmm. that program ended, they all said they saw a woman. Yeah, that was like, like no. Following them. <laughs> so that's so fucking creepy. Like, I'm, that, uh, this story creeped so me out for sure. Freaky. Uh, yeah, that yes. was, that was and good. If, if you uh, know Spanish, I, or understand it at least, uh, I highly suggest listening to the original phone call because the way they tell it, it's not like me reading the story to you, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like they read it from as if it were Dr. Mariano reading his own letter. And they put mm-hmm. these weird, like, creepy sound effects in the background. Ew, it's like, it's great. It's a great listen. <laughs> and I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, the story, like, I'm telling you, I just see reading it right now it was like oh my god i'm a little scared <laughs> that is that is the the like i said the nun thing freaked me out i was like oh no 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 he was like the only one there yeah like the, so no what was he seeing like you know like uh, uh, i don't and then, know like, the whole there's thing also like one thing um because I, I don't remember but we done like last month i think what we were doing demon possessions too pretty sure Last month. Did we? I, really I think in July. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we did the Mano Peluda episode. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I forgot about that. A rabbit hole on possessions and stuff. And um, it checks out with how the Vatican does um, possessions. Because, you know, I was uh, that a lot of people mm. think that it's done in a you know, on a story night uh, in somebody's house, but that's actually not what they do. It has to be in uh, a church or uh, oh, some property oh of the church. Okay. They do so not. this like checks out. Yeah, yeah. They do not do exorcisms on so um, like in people's homes. No, 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 no. It's not like the homes. They have to do it in a neutral place, uh, but most specifically in a in land owned by uh, the church and. They prefer to do it inside a church uh, setting. Mm, and okay, um, okay. they don't allow cameras because um, uh, yes, I, for I've various reasons. But a lot of people also think that like it could jump to you through media. Ew, I don't know. I'm creeped out, though. And and three, <laughs> that you do need a cardinal's blessing or the Vatican's blessing, but most specifically a cardinal. And mm, if the cardinal does not okay. give you a blessing, 
um, mm-hmm. you have no power over. So uh, uh, everything that they did and said checks out with the the thing. And there's this, this guy. There's this Fuck. priest who <laughs> talks about uh-huh. how these rituals are done and how um, um, they have to rule out. Like they do extensive medical research. So basically, if a person's quote unquote possessed, they have to Uh go through. They try to rule it out. Yeah, rule it out. So they have to have a whole thing done, a whole diagnostics um, by a doctor, by a medical doctor. Mm, And then they have to get a psychologist or a therapist involved to rule out any mental health issues. And if the doctor is like, listen, something's going on, but we don't know. Then the church is like, okay, but they say that that happens really rarely. And those cases are rare. But so there's this guy who goes on, for those of you who are interested, I forgot his name, but um, he's a Catholic priest and he goes on TED Talks and like, not TED Talks, but like, what is like Vice? And he does like interviews. Yeah, he does like, I think I'm pretty sure it was a Vice interview. Um, where he does interviews and he explains how this whole ordeal works and it checks out with the story. With um Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because but, they like okay. they'll, they'll bring a person who's possessed to a church or to or somewhere yeah. where um Yeah. Freaky. <laughs> yeah, I think the I think the creepiest part of all of that to me though was that people still tell stories about a woman in white, like yes. to this day. That's the creepiest yes. thing to me. Well, it's the so whole thing thinking. was creepy, but um, before we go um, to your story, let's take mm-hmm. a little break because I have to go pee. <laughs> All right, I'll pause. That this coffee, the giant coffee I drink is getting to me. <laughs> BRB. Welcome to our little haunted break. I want to give a shout out to our amazing Patreons and especially our newest patreon mimi thank you so much for joining the patreon and thank you to the rest of our patreons mimi diana ashes and Janie, michelle monica modesto cynthia perla jesenia dalia rene iris ghost train at Bartown charity your support means the world to us if you want to join the Patreon, go ahead and head on over to patreon.com slash tales. You'll gain access to bonus episodes. We try to do two a month, but always at least one. You get to vote on the movie night uh, polls where you choose the movie night that we're going to be watching and monthly goodies like stickers. And if you join the highest tier, no mames, super serious as spooky, then you get an exclusive keychain. But don't worry. If you cannot support us monetarily, then you are not missing out on anything. The best support that you can give us is just listening to our episodes here. So thank you for doing that. Greetings. We're Technically a Conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. Every week, we take turns presenting a new topic, and the other host has no idea what the topic will be. We strive to educate in a way that's loose and fun. Our topics are all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. Some of the topics we've covered include urban legends, civil rights activists, vampires, pop culture icons, the supernatural and occult, spies and espionage, science and astronomy, and other weird and random things. If any of these topics interest you, give our podcast a shot. Listen and subscribe at technicallyaconversation.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Parental advisory. We might use strong language. Okay, we are back. And yeah, you said your story was 
it had a better ending, like a nice ending, right? Yeah, like it, a, was, it was. It's a feel good ending, which I wasn't good, expecting, but yeah. like, <laughs> I was surprised because usually they end in death. But this is like mine. Everyone, everyone like died or. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Poor um, Dr. Mariano. That sucks. Yes. I've, yeah. It really messed him up psychologically. But yeah, mine is the I feel good. It's pretty short story. After reading that. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I recently bought the book Historias Reales de Posesiones by Blake Aguilar. And the title of the first chapter got me hooked right away. Uh, it's uh, Clarita Villanueva, La Posesión Vampirica. Everywhere oh. else, they just claimed that this was the demon possession. And I like that that Blake labeled it as a vampiric possession because... Interesting. I've I mean, never seen it, it that way. Yeah. Um, so Clarita's mother had died when she was 12 and she was forced to live on the street. So trigger warning, um, she was trafficked as a child oh. and was a sex worker as an adult with no family. This was the only way she could make money. She worked mostly in Manila since she made more money in the area. And one night in 1953, when Clarita was 18 years old, she was arrested for prostitution. This is where things got strange. While in jail, Clarita claimed that she was attacked by two creatures. The officials dismissed it as mental illness until bite marks started showing up on her body, mostly Mm. around her neck. She found herself in the mayor's office accompanied by a doctor and a few other witnesses of various backgrounds. In front of all these witnesses, she was attacked. She began to squirm, laugh, and scream. And according to those who were there, bite marks started appearing on her skin. One of the witnesses was holding her hand to keep her from hurting herself and others. This is where things began getting getting stranger. A bite mark appeared on the hand that was being restrained. And many people saw this. So she started getting a bite mark right under her palm. Under with the hand that was being restrained. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In a previous attack, Clarita was able to describe her attackers. One was a tall man covered in thick hair all around his body with curls on his head, chest and arms. And this tall man had abnormally long teeth. And she goes on to describe that the tall man's stare felt like it looked into your soul. Ew. Freaky. Ew. It's freaky. Yeah. <laughs> the other creature was very small, about 60 centimeters, or roughly 23 to 24 inches. Believed to be a female creature, it was dressed in a black hood and had vampire-like teeth with bulging eyes. She said that the small creature would climb on top of her to search for new areas to bite. Ew. She would she yeah, gross. She was also getting marks in places she couldn't bite herself, like her neck, like she can't bite right. her That's own Im- neck. Physically impossible, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um these bite marks would appear would would be purple, like bruises, but in like a bite shape. So it had like the teeth marks and everything. They would like kind of look like bruises. And was she in jail when all this was happening? Or yes, was so she? she's okay. in jail and, and also getting medical care. Okay. So she's like under su- supervision, like... Yeah, she's they under would see um, other police things. supervision, yes. Okay. But they, like they yeah. didn't know what was going on. She was being physically harmed, so they had to see what was going on. So because she was under the care of the police, 
um, they had to take her and get her medical care. And um, on some occasions, these bite marks that would appear had moisture on them. Like the the creatures left some kind of drool. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish they would have like, I mean, I guess this is like in the, the 50s. I wish they would have like gotten like a swab or something of it and like saved it for later. <laughs> but that would have been interesting to see to, if there yeah. was anything. Analyze yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And she was having frequent attacks. Uh, she became national news, then international news. It, ugh, did I say that wrong? International news. I feel like I said a ton of words wrong during my part, so no worries. <laughs> there are uh, pictures of Clarita from these news clippings. And as the attacks went on, she began going into trances and began having convulsions during these episodes of possession. At the time, Clarita had about 100 medical professionals trying to help her. Uh, They said that she would not react to needles piercing her skin, and many doctors dismissed her case as just being hysteria. However, none of the doctors had an answer to the bite marks. People who witnessed Clarita's attack didn't agree that it was as simple as hysteria, as these bite marks were never explained, and neither was the drool moisture substance that appeared with the marks. There was Mm. this man who accused Clarita of sensationalizing and wanting attention to her face. Now, it's not stated what he was, like if he was like a doctor or Mm. a journalist, but basically while under the care of the police, um, many people were allowed into her room. I'm pretty sure it was like medical doctor or nurses and stuff, but he called her... You know, he was like, you're you're wanting attention. That's all it is. And um, many people witnessed this altercation and say that Clarita's eyes became abnormally big and the pupil stretched like that of a serpent. And she told this man, you will die. She Whoa. then continued to turn to the prison guard and started talking to him, though it cannot be proven that Clarita cursed these men. However, the man who accused her died the next day and the guard... Four days later. What? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. And um, the media started to say that Clarita wasn't just possessed by a demonic entity, but she was also a powerful witch. The reason she was accused of this was because before her mother's death, the way Clarita's mother put food on the table was through her work with spirits. She was a medium, and that's how she earned her income. She was like a curandera, too. I'm not sure what the term for that in Filipino or Tagalog is Tagalog is yeah I don't know but it might be curandera honestly because it's Spanish <laughs> I've heard it I don't know I don't remember but anyways I don't know the term but that was what her uh, the mother did of a and shaman or something yeah yeah and they like the whole such you know her mother's history didn't help her case and yeah. there was a lot of accusations thrown around um After weeks of endless torment, help came to Clarita. Lester Sumrall, an American minister, performed an exorcism on her. The demons would speak through Clarita in two distinct voices and would present themselves like the creatures Clarita first described. A few days later, both Sumrall believed that he had removed the demons, but they came back again. Sumrall did another exorcism, finally getting rid of them for good. The rest of her days, Clarita was free of her torment, she joined the Church of the Philippines, got married, and had kids. 
And um, yeah, it's a pretty short case. It's kind of. Oh, so this uh, this exorcism worked? Yeah, this exorcism worked. Um, and yeah, so uh, the reason, like I said, I like that uh, Blake uh, called it a vampiric uh, possession was because she was like being drained of her essence or something because she like had bite marks and these creatures that she could see and nobody else could um, mm-hmm. were biting her all over her body in areas that she couldn't bite herself. And many people were able to witness the marks suddenly appear and like this drool substance around those marks. It was weird. Mm-hmm. And they actually made a movie um, in 2019 and it's called Clarita. And it's a, a Philippine, Filipino movie. So if you want to watch this, you're going to have to search for it and watch it with subtitles. And there's also a book written by Lester called The True Story of Clarita Villanueva by Lester Sumrall. Yeah, and that was the, that was a, sh- I never heard of this case. I've heard it in another, I think it was Scared to Death. I think they covered it on their, um, one of their podcast episodes. I know, yeah, I never heard of this. And I was like, wow, I'm surprised you never heard of this. But yeah, it, it does seem like a little bit more than a demonic possession, but like maybe a like demonic vampire, which I mean, they always say like vampires anyways are, um, get, get like infected or whatever, whatever the f- phrase is with a demon and that's how they become vampires. Mm, so it, it, would, it would check out. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also weird, like the little... 24 inch creature that would like hop on her and like oh look let me look for places to bite you <laughs> right it's like i'm already afraid of duendes Weird. and now there's like vampire duendes this oh ad- yeah <laughs> the vampire duendes <laughs> somebody's no. gonna make a movie on that watch <laughs> actually i would watch that vampire duendes um i forgot to like preface this episode by announcing that we're going to do like a little series on exorcisms and that's what this episode is about (laughs) oh my god oh that's just today's vibe today's vibe was off (laughs) it was it was crazy (laughs) it was a little bit crazy yeah like like i said in the beginning or i don't know at some point i said like i started nosebleeding my baby was napping and then he woke up in the middle of this i am now employing my oldest to watch the other two so that we could record this in peace (laughs) yeah and then like i uh my pause button wouldn't work and then yeah you would cut out and then stat it was was crazy it was crazy well while i was telling my story i you know when your house creaks Mm -hmm. um it was like creaking more and i was like what the fuck (laughs) stop it why are you creaking more house stop (laughs) it was a a very spooky vibe a spooky vibe yeah spooky and weird yeah Mm -hmm. but yeah so yeah that's why we did these two exorcism cases i personally i love reading about exorcisms and i'm like i don't necessarily believe in them but am i gonna try and find out no (laughs) did i um do like a little bendicion and like you know tell the virgencita to like watch out for me even though sometimes i'm atheist after i read the story yes (laughs) <laughs> just in case <laughs> just yeah in case. like like i said not trying to fuck around and find out yes not me <laughs> um but yeah i love like uh possession movies are my favorite and again i do like 
watch them with caution because it creeps me out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love reading about them. And so, yeah, so we did these two stories where, where they're just like straight possession stories. Next episode, we're going to do like a little history mm-hmm. of um, possessions and possessions gone wrong. Like um, exorcisms gone wrong. I mean, because yes. there's like a dark side. There's a dark side behind exorcisms where people are like or not people but not even priests like people announce themselves as experts and then mm-hmm. exploit people yes for money and end up hurting people because i mean let alone like set aside like say it is real or whatever you do have to have a a, a certain ethics where the person who you're quote unquote exercising is safe at all times and has medical care yeah and a lot of places yeah, don't we're do that gonna, exactly we're gonna explore some like cases gone wrong deaths uh during exorcisms mm-hmm. and, abuse yeah the whole yeah mm-hmm. the whole dark side of this um darker than these stories mm-hmm. um you could hear these stories and say eh, they're just stories mm-hmm. they're you know paranormal stories but we're gonna explore like the re- very real horror behind yeah like almost like true crime and all that true yeah yeah that's what yeah sort of what we're going to be doing yeah next episode Mm -hmm. um but that's why i wanted to do these two stories first um but yeah i'm glad yours ended better because mine like creeped me the fuck out (laughs) yeah yeah mine had a happy ending she lived on her she lived her life and like uh she's you know, she left that uh, that abusive uh, lifestyle that she was forced into, uh, and she had a family. So, it good was, for her. Yeah, good yeah. for her. She really, really, at the end of the day, whether it, her possession was true or not, she survived um, a human trafficking, and that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I hear Mateo crying. So yeah, let's uh, end this here. Well, first, do you have any spooky recommendation? Oh God, I was, I just had it like, I was like thinking about something. And as soon as you said it, it just went poof. Um, jeez. Oh yeah, yes, 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 yes. Okay. I recommended this yesterday because somebody, um, asked me and I don't know if you guys have seen Hemlock Grove on Netflix. Oh, I've scrolled past it. Yeah. So that popped in my head because I, I was like obsessed with it back when like it was still street like coming out, I guess the new seasons, whatever. Pretty good. Okay, okay. Um mine is not I mean, there's like one episode about Mal de Ojo, so I'm recommending the whole series, but this fool on Netflix <laughs> not Netflix, fucking Hulu. Hulu. <laughs> um my brain is fried today. It's on Hulu. Yeah, this fool is it's so good. Like yes, if you it grew up so in California, good. it's amazing um i i visited la a lot but if you're like if you grew up in la then like you need to watch the show immediately <laughs> um it's so funny it's so good so refreshing and yes there is a mal de ojo episode oh so i feel god. that i can do it as a spooky recommendation <laughs> oh my god that show is so funny i just got done with the birthday episode and i'm about like uh, as soon so as good yeah we're, we're done recording i'm gonna watch the next one <laughs> 
I finished it all. I stayed up late to do it. Um, yeah, it's it was really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, before we go, don't forget if you want to join the Discord channel and chat with us, uh, go ahead and do that. It's in the link in the show notes. It's it's a free app. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you want to, if you want to join in on future movie nights, um, the Patreon members are voting on movies right now for the next one. Mm-hmm. The marked ones, Paranormal Activity, the marked ones is winning the poll. Oh, I've never if seen that one. If you want to participate in the poll, yeah, it's a good one. Um, join the Patreon. Shout out to our newest Patreon members. We just had someone join. I didn't write down the name so I can say Shout thank you. Out. I did that last. I did that in our Patreon episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, all that info is in the show notes. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Um, oh, and oh, how do I? I haven't entered an episode in this way in a while. Um, I don't know. Watch out for a woman in white if you're in Rosarito. <laughs> hmm. Would that be me? And yeah, stay a spooky. We'll catch everyone <laughs> next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to the Spooky supporting us on Patreon. Your support means the world to us. And if you want to join the Patreon and get bonus episodes, monthly goodies in the mail, and more, go over to patreon.com slash spookytales. Spooky Tales is hosted by Christina and MJ, produced and edited by Christina, and is a proud member of the Cultivate Network. For more podcasts on the network, check out cultivatepodcastnetwork.com. Don't forget to check out our Spooky merch. We have Spooky shirts. We have No Mamas shirts. And we have a cool hat that I just added. It's like a baseball hat, not like a hat hat. Um, We also have a beanie in there. And they just say Spooky on there. But I'm a big fan of the hat. It says Spooky in Old English letters. And I love it. I wear it every day. Not because I want to go around repping the podcast. But it's comfy. It's a great hat. You can go to SpookyTales.com slash store. I'm always adding new designs. But don't even worry if you cannot support us monetarily because the most important support is what you're already doing, giving us a listen. If you listen and you love what we do, feel free to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share this with your spooky friends. Spooky season is upon us, so this is our time of year. Stay as spooky.